So today we're going to continue our sermon series called Lies Christians Believe. And um, I want to encourage us first from uh, John chapter 17. Here's Jesus speaking. He said he was speaking to his disciple in John 17, uh, verse 16. Jesus was telling them that uh, praying for the disciples and subsequently praying for you and I, you and me. And, and he says this, they are not of the world. Just as I'm not of the world. Jesus is declaring that we're not of this world. We're of the, of the eternal uh, uh, world. And then he, he prayed this on behalf of his disciples and us. He says this, verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And basically what Jesus was praying that we will be clean and washed over by his truth. And you and I both know, even though we might be Christians, we continue to wrestle against, continue to re- wrestle, <clears throat> wrestle against um, the lies that, that are going on in this world. And gives Jesus prayer uh, for us. And that's one reason why we're going through these lies. So that we will be sanctified by God's truth. And it says specifically that the word of God is true. So just a little heads up for you today. I'll be throwing quite a bit of verses out there. And if you don't remember them, I'll encourage you to take out your phone. Take out a, a, a pad of paper, a scratch paper to write down some of these references. Hopefully it will be benefit to you. And I really believe that more than what I have to say. The word of God is going to be the transformative power to sanctify us with, uh, against these lies that we do. So, so far we've covered three lies. We've talked about how uh, God did not just want us to be happy. Really, God wants us to be joyful. Because happiness is temporary, but joy is eternal. And we also talked about how God sometimes does give us more than what we can handle. Not because he was a mean God, not because he was some some a sick God that, that wants us to suffer, but really is because he wants us to experience him, like uh, experience him and his power and experience his love for us. Last week, we talked about that, uh, the common lie that we should follow our heart. But we saw from scripture how dangerous it is when we follow our hearts because our hearts are not uh, the best guide in our lives, especially when our sin is corrupt, uh, has corrupted our, our, our hearts. Even as believers, we talk about that this process of being made whole again, that as long as we live in this broken world, our flesh can continue to struggle with lies and, and, and our heart's desire. And so it is more important that we not follow our hearts, but we will follow Jesus and his word. So today we're going to talk about a fourth lie. And the lie is this, that we are to believe in yourself. Uh, we the commercials everywhere, uh, movies, books, uh, social media. You can probably look up uh, many, many inspirational posts that have a bend of believing in yourself or sort. We're told by this word that we need to believe in ourselves. We need to trust ourselves. We need to be, uh, to 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 believe that we can do it. I remember when uh, our firstborn uh, was a couple years old, and we were just playing these videos on Sesame Street for him. Uh, one of them was with Michael Bublé. It was a, a, a musical video, a DVD. And one of the songs actually was named Believe in Yourself. And I remember just hearing that. And it just sounds so good and sounds so right. And I want to share the lyrics with you. Here's part of the lyrics. It says, go where you want to go. Do what you want to do. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. And then the answer says, try what you need to try. No one should question why. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. I remember playing that song first. I was like, oh, it sounds like such a good song. Michael Bublé has such a good voice. And then after that first time I listened to it again, it really caught me off guard and just how um, 
wrong these lyrics really are. I know what the, the song, what they're trying to get at is they want to encourage kids to not be hindered by people's opinions, not to be told that they can't do something and that they can really should believe that the sky's the limit, that whatever they set their mind to, they can achieve, that they should not be discouraged and don't let anyone to tell them that nothing, things are impossible for them. And, and, and I, in some ways, I feel like, yeah, that is something that we want to encourage our kids, encourage ourselves, we encourage one another. But on the flip end of that, I wonder what would our life be like if we really live according to what it says, that we will try whatever we want to try. And no one should question why. What would our lives be like if we just go wherever we want to go and do whatever we want to do? Do we really achieve what we want to achieve when we just do whatever that we want to do. I think the word, the phrase of our generation, your generation, my generation, um, is simply this term self-esteem, right? You probably grew up in this environment, and certainly I've grown up in this environment where everyone get, gets a participat- participatory trophy. If you show up in an event, you get a prize. Every, no one's a loser. Everyone is a winner. And again, I understand what the what what the idea behind uh, behind it was to give kids self esteem. We want to help them to believe and encourage them to try things. But yet, even in the midst of pushing self esteem and encouraging self esteem in in your life, my life, we also see the result of what happens. In fact, I just had a a, a deputy that I rode along with two weeks ago ask me this question: Why do I think that? Kids these days uh, struggle so much with with failures. I think part of the reason is simply because we we are given these quote unquote self esteem and not uh, be shielded from failures. And when we're young age, we're told that you whatever you set your mind to, you can become. Whatever you put your effort to, you will get. But in reality, we know that is not true. In reality, we don't get to have whatever we want to have, no matter, sometimes, no matter how hard we work. I remember when I was younger, I really loved basketball. I thought I could be an NBA player. I saw I saw an old-time player, 5'6", and he was a professional uh, NBA player. And I thought, man, one day I could be like him. I'm going to work hard like him. But only there's only one player in all of NBA history that is 5'6 and below it doesn't matter how hard I try. I just don't have the physical ability to perform and to shoot, to jump and to exercise and to dribble that way like that person. And so you might, I'm, people can give me the, all the self-esteem that I can use. It will not lead me to the result I want to live for. But not only that, we also see maybe some of us struggle, our friends struggle, our family struggle. Even though we're told that we can be whoever we want to be, and yet we are dealing with an increased sense of anxiety, fear. Did you know that over this past year and during COVID, the number of deaths due to drug overdose rose over 20%. In America, one of the countries where we told people the most about have self-esteem, trying to grow people's selves, we are the country who have the most overdose in, in, with usage of drugs and addiction with drugs. You see, if self-esteem is going to get us what we want, then why do you think that people uh, in our country struggles <clears throat> to deal with their failures, struggle to handle the harshness of this life, struggle to handle the disappointments 
the brokenness of this life. <clears throat> the number of people who are getting divorced continue to skyrocket. People who are told that they can be something continue to, uh, the number of people who are, are homeless continue to grow. We're all told that we should believe in ourselves. And yet the reality of life tells us otherwise. But this is not new in the scripture. Throughout the Bible, we saw the result of what happens when we believe in ourselves. It started right from the beginning of the scripture, right from the beginning of the, the, the history of humanity. Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. When Adam and Eve were tempted by seeing by, by the serpent, here's what it says. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was the light to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired, to make one wise. She took of his fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. We saw from the beginning of scripture that Eve and Adam saw, believing themselves, believing what they saw, believing what their heart tells them. And it was good. And so they decided to disobey God. And as a result that they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden where they were supposedly to have the most perfect union relationship with God. But yet they believe in what they see as good for themselves. And as a result of that, they fell into sin. And subsequently, the the effect of sins to snowball until for, for the Israelites, the line that summarized best how the Israelites lived their lives in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. This phrase repeated over and over again in this cycle of sin in the book of Judges among the Israelites. It says this, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right. And if I were to rephrase this, it's basically saying everyone did what was right according to what they believed to be right. Isn't it true that our world is not any different today? Than it was back in Israel. And we saw what happened. They continued to fall in this cycle of sin. So the people of Israel during the time of judges, they fell into sin, then they experienced consequences of the sin. And then they start crying out to God and God helped them and mercy on them. And the moment they experienced victory, that guess what happened? They fall back into do what they thought they was right, what they believed to themselves as right. Then they go through this cycle upon cycle. And eventually they finally got kicked out of the promised land that God has graciously given to them. You see, believing in ourselves never leads us to the good place, never leads us to where we want to be, never leads us to where we want to be in. But that's not the Old Testament problem. That's not an Adam and Eve problem. It continues on in the New Testament, Luke chapter 18. Perhaps a group of people where God, Jesus rebuked the most, probably believe in themselves the most, the Pharisees. In one of the, one of the teachings Jesus had, he gave this example of the Pharisee. Someone who's supposed to be religious, supposedly to be uh, walking, by obeying God by the letter of the law. And yet it was all done because of their believing themselves. Here's the Pharisee standing by himself, pray thus. The, the Pharisee was praying in, in, this, in front of the temple, says this, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector who's standing right next to me. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. This is his prayer. Littered 
with the pronoun I. What he believed that he was doing to be right. What he believed that he was the right person. He was the godly person. He was the spiritual person. And he compared himself to the tax collector standing far off next to him. And this tax collector would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, this Pharisee thing believed in himself, just like the world tells us to. And yet his righteousness is not one that pleases God. And then the text collected, believed nothing of himself, know that he was a sinner. Yet what he prayed, those short seven, six words, seven words, were the actual pleasing sacrifice that God longs to build, uh, that God receives. Again, it's not a Bible situation where Old Testament people screw up, New Testament people blame themselves. I believe we all do the exact same thing. Just to, just to share with you, honestly, even when I was young in high school, in my moment of weakness, after my girl, girlfriend and I broke up, I just want to get back at her. So I believed in myself that I can find ways to get back at her. So you know what I did? I'm ashamed to even share with you about this as your pastor. But I believe I can get back at her. I can kind of trick her into liking me again. So I decided to date her friend who happens to be not be a believer. So I believe what I can do to get what I want, which is my ex-girlfriend to get back with me. So I dated her friend who is not a believer. And as a result of that, it didn't work out well. And I ended up breaking up with her with, with her friend who is non-believer. And it's because and part of the reason and part of the result of that is that she has this bad taste of what a believer is. What a jerk a believer can be to use her. You see, when we believe in ourselves, when we believe in what we think we can do to get away from things or get our what we want to have ourselves. He never leads us to the right place. In fact, Solomon, the man who was given godly wisdom, unlike any man here on earth, wrote a profound statement that we need to take caution of. He says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but his end is the way to death. See, there is a way that seems right in your eye, in my eye, that we think we, we believe it to be the right way. But if it's right to our own eyes, right to our own hearts, it does not necessarily mean it's right for us. In fact, 10, nine, 10 out of 10 times, if it's our own ways, the end, it will lead us to death. It will lead us to destruction. It will lead us to brokenness. It will lead us to sin. You see, at the core of believing ourselves is not just the issue of believing ourselves. It is the core of our issue is getting control. See, when you and I say we believe in ourselves, what we're really saying is, I'm going to take control because I know better. I can control my life. I can fix my life. I can determine my life. We can fix what the situation I'm going through. I can fix the life the way I like it. I can control how things turn out. You see, the opposite of faith is not unbelief. Oftentimes when we think of faith, believing in God, it means that we need, well, the opposite of that is we don't believe in God. We have doubt about God. No, actually the opposite of your faith, of faith is not unbelief. Most of the times the opposite of faith is actually self-centeredness. Or put it in the context of what we're talking about, the opposite of, of faith is believing in ourselves. What keeps us from believing in God is not 
sometimes not just that we doubt God, it's because we believe in ourselves more than we believe in God. Think of Adam and Eve. The reason why they sin is not that they do not believe in God. They have firsthand encounter to be face-to-face with God. They know God is real. They interact with it, talk with God, and yet they chose to believe in themselves more than they believe in God. It was not that they did not believe in God. It was the the fact that they were self-centered that they believe in themselves. And the result of wanting control over our own lives leads us to destruction, to discouragement, to fear, to anxiety, and to worry. Think about that. The, The reason why we're in control, isn't it? Because we want to make sure we feel important. We feel significant. The reason why we want control is because we want to make sure that we, 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 we feel like we're accepted by people. We're approved by people. We want identity. We want status. And we do it through different ways. So for some of us, as students, we did it through school. So I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to do the best I can because by getting good grades, getting in a good school, getting a good job, that's going to give me a sense of accomplishment, a sense of being someone and so we will work as hard as I can. I'm going to take up every scholar. I'm going to work as hard as I can, and which is a good thing. But the reason why we did it is because so that we can determine the outcome of our lives. I'm going to pick up every internship I can find. I'm going to attend every school that I can get, every class that I can get. We're doing it because we want to control and determine the outcome of our lives. For some of us, it might not be school. For some of us, it might just simply be friendship. So I will do whatever it takes to make friends. It doesn't matter who they are, what, what kind of, what kind of um, things I need to sacrifice. I will dress like them, talk like them. I will watch the shows that they like just so that I know someone loves me, someone cares for me, so that I will be surrounded by people. That's how we find significance. That's how we find control. That's how we find approval. So we'll do whatever it takes because we believe we can get what we want through these friendships. And even sometimes the cause of harming ourselves. For some of us, it was simply getting control by, by, by being busy. I will go do whatever. I will fill my life with schedules, with, with tasks, with entertainment, with experiences. Some of us want control of our lives because we want to feel like we live a full life. So I will go, I will do whatever it takes to, to experience the world. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Because that way I know that I'm significant. That way I know that this is what I'm, I, can, I can experience comfort in my life. I know what I'm, I have a full life. So we believe in whatever that we can do to get these things. But the reality, some of us do it through having a family. If I just get a girlfriend, if I just get a boyfriend, if I just get married, if I just get kids, if I just have two good kids, if I just get a a dog, if I just get a house, if I get a car, I'm going to believe in myself to get these things. I'm going to have a fulfilling life. If I just guarantee that retirement that I have. And so we believe in ourselves and so get these things. But we know time and time again, whether we see it from a distance in someone else's life, or we rub up, uh, run against the green in our own lives, we know that these things don't work out. It leads us to disappointment because even though we start here, sometimes we don't get into the school that we want to get into. We might work really hard, and yet we don't get the degree that we, we apply for. 
We might, for some of us, our friends hurt us, disappoint us. We, we sacrifice so much because we believe we can get to have friends to, to care for us, to surround us, make us feel important. And yet those friends disappoint us, hurts us. I think that's one of the reasons why COVID has been so hard for many people. Because somehow we buy into this lie that we can believe in ourselves and do whatever we want. And when COVID hit, we lost our sense of control. I can't go out whenever I want. I can't go on trips that wherever I want to do, wherever trip I want to go. I can't go out to even buy things that I want to buy because things are sold out. I don't get to see my family. I don't get to see, do all sorts of things that we thought we were entitled to believe that we can do. And when COVID hit, it took away all those things. It becomes a snapshot of what life really is about. And it produced this sense of disappointment, anxiety, fear, insecurity. The reason why we struggle with that is because we are not made to believe in ourselves. One thing I hope you see so far in this whole teaching is simply that when we live, believe in ourselves and live according to our own ways, it will only lead to death. We're not made to believe in ourselves because we are not completing of ourselves. We're not made to be in control because we're not, we can't do a good job in controlling factors that, that are out of our control. So you and I are made to believe in someone else. We are made to be let go of our control so that our King Jesus can take control of our lives. You see, that's what ultimately what faith is all about. See, we're not made to believe in ourselves because we cannot lead ourselves. We cannot control the circumstances in our own life. But we have one who actually oversees and sovereign over every single thing, both good and bad in our lives. So when we believe in him, we will never be disappointed. When we believe in him, he will walk us through. See, we're not called to believe in ourselves because we're called to believe in Jesus, the one who sits on the throne. So then the question for us is, what does it mean for us to believe in Jesus? I mean, most of us here are Christians. We throw that term around. What does it mean for us to believe in Jesus? Is it just merely agreeing with a set of rules? Is believing Jesus merely showing up at a certain time, going to this event called church? Is believing Jesus simply adding to what you believe and just put Jesus in there as well? That I believe in Hinduism, I believe in Buddha, I just catch them all. So I don't miss anything. What I find really useful as a picture of faith is this story of Peter walking on water. Peter walking on water, if you remember this story, is a very well-known story in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus was um, preaching to the crowd, and the crowd was getting so big, and finally they needed to take a break. Jesus went up onto the mountain to pray. He sent the disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee, a familiar place for them. But Jesus was praying up the mountain, and the Sea of Galilee, if you know anything about the Sea of Galilee, it often has storm. It's the often, I mean, it's not a calm lake, a calm sea. And it was the case when the disciples was going across the Sea of Galilee, there was this huge storm. And all of a sudden, the, the disciples were getting scared. And what's going to happen? Are we going to capsize? Our boat is going to throw us over the sea. And then Jesus, seeing that they were struggling, Jesus actually walked on water to greet them. And then they were all freaking out that, well, is this a ghost? 
But Jesus, uh, when they got closer, they realized it was not a ghost. It was actually Jesus. And then I want to pick up the story right here because it gives us this snapshot, a glimpse of what faith is. So Peter, upon seeing Jesus walking on water, Peter talked to Jesus. Here's what it says in verse 28. Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw when he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. I think this is such a great picture of what faith is to us. We see faith is not just believing that God exists. Faith literally is this. Faith is trusting what Jesus says and trusting it enough to do something, to live by it. Let me say it again. Faith is trusting what Jesus says to be true. And you trust it enough that you will live by what he says. You see, isn't that what Peter did? Peter knew it was Jesus standing on water. And then Peter asked Jesus, command, if it was you, command me to come to you. He's asking Jesus to speak to him, to command him. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus commanded him, Jesus says, come. But faith is not just right there saying, oh yeah, I heard you, Jesus, come. Jesus said, come. Okay, that's great. I believe that Jesus wants me to come. No, faith means I believe what Jesus says to be true, and I trust it enough that I'm going to live by it. And so what Peter did, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. You see, Peter did not just acknowledge what Jesus said. Peter did not just believe what Jesus said. He believed it enough that he got out of the boat and walked on water. I want you to picture yourself in the boat here. Peter, the, the sea is still, Jesus did not calm the sea this time. Jesus did not say, be still the water like he did before. The water is still raging. The storm is still going on. And, and Peter standing in the boat have to make a decision. Should I put my foot one out of the boat? Remember this story. There's only there are 12 of them on the boat. Only one of them got to walk on water. 12 of them heard Jesus said, come. But only one experience Jesus. Only one, not only have faith to trust what Jesus says, but trust it enough to actually live by what Jesus says and went out onto the water and walk on water. Nobody else in that boat says, I walked on water. Only Peter gets to experience that. You see, that's what faith is. Faith is hearing what Jesus says and trust it enough to live by it. Faith, in other words, is hearing what Jesus said and in trusting it enough to obey it. That's what faith is really about. Hearing and obeying. Hearing and obeying. Hearing what Jesus says to be true. And trust it enough to obey him. But we also see in verse 30. Sometimes our faith wafers. The moment when, when Peter looked at the storm. And not looking at Jesus. Not focused on Jesus. What happened? When he saw the wind instead of Jesus. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. The moment he believed in, the, in himself that the, he would sink in the wind. He got afraid. Fear started overwhelming. He started sinking. Lord, save me. I love this story though. Because even in the midst of his weakness. You know Jesus, what Jesus did? Jesus did not say, all right, you swim back to the boat. The passage continued on. Jesus picked him up. 
So Jesus doesn't tell us, then work it out yourself. Even in our moments of weakness, Jesus extends his arm and says, I got you. Come on, I got you. I got you. Put your eyes back on me. I think for many of us, myself included, when we live in a culture that's believe in ourselves, what we're really after is we want identity, approval, security. And oftentimes what we hear from this world is you can make it on your own. And we forget what Jesus says about himself. And we'll forget what Jesus says about you. And me. I want to remind us. Jesus. Tells us who he is. I want to, I want to encourage you to, to listen carefully. I don't have the slides here, but. Jesus reminds us who he said he is. There are seven items in the book of John. Jesus, you know who he is? He is the bread of life. He's the one who satisfies you. He said, I'm going to fill you up. I'm going to be the one satisfying more than anything else that you're looking for. More than sex, more than drugs, more than friendship, more than your fame. I am the bread of life. Do you believe that Jesus is the bread of life? Do you believe that Jesus is the light of the world? He's the one that's going to show you out of darkness. Even though you're overwhelmed with sin, overwhelmed with problems. He said, I'm the light of the world. I will show you where you need to go. Do you believe that Jesus is the door of the sheep? That he will bring you back into the sheep pen. Do you believe that Jesus, when you're lost, he will be able to bring you back? Do you believe that Jesus is a good shepherd? That he will care for you when you feel like no one else will care for you? When everyone fails you in your life, Jesus, I'm that good shepherd will take care of you. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection of the life? That he is something far greater for you than this life? Jesus' hope for you is not to build you the best life in this world because he promised you a life that is far greater, that's most perfect in the next in heaven. Do you believe? Do you trust? Do you live by the fact that Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life? That it is only through Jesus, not Jesus plus your good work, not Jesus plus what your your family background, not Jesus plus your ethnicity, not Jesus plus whatever intellect you have, but how much you you show about you. No, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. He said, "By you have faith with me, you will be you 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 can go to the Father." Do you believe that Jesus is the true vine? That everything you need in this life. That you as a branch can get from Jesus. But not only believing that Jesus. About what Jesus said about himself. But I think for many of us. We need to believe what Jesus says to be you. I want to invite you right now. To just close your eyes. You can turn off your camera. And close your eyes. Because I want to remind us. Once again. Who Jesus says you are. And for every one of us who have put our faith in Jesus, I want to declare over you and remind you who you are. And there are going to be phrases here, uh, these titles, these statuses that Jesus called uh, you, uh, that he says to be true about you. And perhaps you will need that. And I want to encourage you. As I declare that over you, as I speak this over you, if it is something that you need, I pray and I ask that you will write it down so that you can meditate on it. So that you will believe in, in, in this truth over the lies that perhaps Satan is sowing in your heart. Because our God says so much about us. 
Jesus said, if you put your faith in me, you are my child. You're the child of God. That he has given you the right to become a children of God. You are not just your parents' child. You are the children of the most high God. You have an inheritance that is of eternal value. It doesn't matter what your family is like. You are a child of God. But not only you're a child of God, you are a friend of Jesus. No longer are you enemies of Jesus. You are a friend. It doesn't matter how many friends or how your friends are treating. Jesus said, you are my friend. He said, I'm not going to call you slaves anymore in John 15. But he, today he has called you friends. A friend. He has called you friends with him. But not only are you a friend, you are now justified. You're redeemed. You're justified as if you've never sinned before. Not because you did not sin, but because Jesus' blood had washed you clean. You, he bought you with, the, with his own life. He has freed you by his grace. You know what Jesus says about you? You're always God. You are a new person now. Whatever happened before you came to know Christ, those things don't count anymore. Jesus has forgiven your sin. You are a new person. Because you're a new person, Jesus said, you're not condemned by God anymore. Yes, you might sin, but forgiveness is available to you. In fact, one day when you stand at the gate of heaven, when God asks you, why should I let you be in heaven? You can, you can say confidently, because the blood of Jesus washed you clean. You're no longer condemned by God. But not only are you a child of God, Jesus said you are a co-heir with Christ. You are of the same status as the Son of God. You are not the son of God, but you are co-heirs. You have the same foot standing before God as his son because of what his son had done for you. You are important, not because of what you have done, but because of what was declared over you. You know what else you said? You have the wisdom of God. You have the righteousness of God. You have the sanctification of God. You are no longer just Jacob. You are no longer just Martin. You're no longer just Brian. You're no longer just Cassandra. You are Cassandra with Christ in you. Everything is available to you. Everything that's in Christ is available to you. Jesus said you're not a slave. Jesus said you're being set free. You don't have to live with the bondage that you're living right now. Whatever struggles you're going through, if you're willing to trust Jesus, he will provide a way out for you. You are set free. You are not in prison anymore. If you choose to put your faith in him. If you surrender to him, he can free you. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You don't need earthly blessing to make life. God said, Jesus said, I'm going to give you all the blessing you need, both in this life and the life to come. You are chosen. You ever get disappointed for not making a team. You ever not get chosen on the playground. If people have deserted you, you are chosen. God said, I chose you. People may not choose you, but I choose you because I love you. You've been forgiven. You know what Jesus said? You are God's workmanship. You are not just some, some, some things that God made on the side that he has extra time. No, you are precious to God. If there's any one of us struggle with our work that Jesus was telling you today, I want you to know that Jesus said you're precious. God made you. He has made you to do good works. He had made you an image of himself. Jesus said you're complete. 
you're complete in Jesus. You don't need somebody else to make you complete. You don't need that extra grade to make you complete. You don't need that whatever job you're long for to make. You are complete just as you are. Because you've been filled with Christ. I don't know who needs to hear those things. I don't know which one of these the declaration you need to hear. But God wants me to speak over you today because I think some of us, if not all of us, need to hear. But then the question for us is, is are we going to hear it or are we just going to hear it and forget about it? Or are we going to hear it and start living by it? Are you going to have faith and believe in Jesus, what's declared to me, to you, about you to be true? And start living as that complete person, living as that citizen of heaven. Start living as one who has been free from sin. Is living as co-heir with Christ, living no longer as slaves, living as a friend of Jesus. Because believing in ourselves will lead us to death. But when we believe in Jesus and start living according to what Jesus says to be true about him and about us, we will never be led astray. I want to end on this quote. I've quoted it before. A missionary, a pastor, once says this. If grace and mercy are God's love language for us, obedience and action is our love language back to God. If grace and mercy is is God's love language to us, obedience and action is our love language back to God. This is why it's so important for us every single day that we have time to hear from God. I'm convinced that as Christians, we hear from more people than we hear from God. This is why it's important every day we make space, maybe literal physical space to hear from God. We need to make literal space to to sit down and be quiet, make time to make space in our hearts to hear from God. Because we cannot live according to those truths. We don't know those truths, isn't it? We need to make space in our heart, make space in our mind so that God can speak to us. And when he speaks to us, then we be able to obey him, to live according to what he spoke to us about. I believe far too many of us go on our day without hearing from God throughout the day and we just kind of live and believing in what we want to believe and start living however way we believe to be true and no wonder why our lives turn out the way it is and so let's make time make space to believe in god but not just let those god's voice stay in our head and our hearts but let's walk in obedience to god and so here's what i want us to do as we sing our last song to respond to that, I want you to take a moment to either write down or mark down what have you heard from God today? In just the last hour or so that we've had, what have you heard from God? Let's respond to him. Let's, let's, let's hear from him. What has he put in your heart that he's declaring over? For some of us, it might simply be that you need to make space this week for God. For some of us, maybe you're struggling with your, with your, with your identity, struggling with being accepted. And perhaps one of the things that God declared over you earlier that I read is what you need to hold on to. Write that down and say, God, I want to believe in you about this. Let's hear from God and let's live by the things that God is here from us.
See, we're not called to believe in ourselves because we can't handle life in ourselves. We're being called to believe in Jesus. Because he knows far more than we do. And when we believe in Jesus, the pressure is off on us. We don't have to handle our lives. Jesus can handle our lives. And all we need to do, which is to hear from him daily, and start living according to what we heard from him. So would you take out a pen? Do we take out a piece of paper? I'm going to pray for us. I want to sing our last song and respond to God. I want to ask you as we sing, write down what it, have you heard from God. Jog it down. It's a bullet point so that you know how God wants you to live it out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these great status yes you have given to us that we do not deserve not so often we believe in the lies that seen and put in our hearts that we're not enough that we're a nobody that we're not significant and for some of us that we're very important that we know what we're doing that we know better so god thank you for speaking to us through your word Thank you for giving us Jesus so that we don't have to figure out lives on our own. And all we need to do is to hear from you daily and trust you enough and trust you com- what you command us and speak to us enough to live. So God, I pray as we sing our next song in response, God, I pray that you will help us to recall the things that we've heard from you today. God, I pray that my voice would not be what all of us have heard, God, because I'm not significant and I don't have anything good to say. But, Lord, I pray that our all of us will hear from you today and, and we will put our trust in what we've heard from you. So, God, give us faith to trust what you say. That you're good. That you're loved and you're good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing and respond to God today.